Well, I'm wearing my purple here uh, in favor of uh, Boston Spa. The Scotties play a rare Thursday night game because of Rosh Hashanah uh, tonight. Uh, the entire Section 2 uh, football clan pretty much did that, or at least Class AA did. And uh, they reign victorious 28-14. to 14. My friend uh, Mayor Ron Kim nice. in Saratoga Springs is going to have to wear a Scotties jersey at the next Saratoga Springs City Council meeting. How's that for <laughs> you? Yeah. Nice. Hey, it was his idea. I'll, I'll give him credit. There's, but, you know, there's nothing yeah. like pride of your team. Uh, a lot of the students came out for this game. And, you know, uh, why don't you tell folks uh, what we're about to see here uh, about student pride? Yeah, no, this was a very clever um, week one for the NESCAC season opener, um, the Bates Bobcats. Uh, polled their, their students there, and I think it's in Lewiston, Maine, uh, to, to look at the schedule for this fall NESCAC season. And some of the answers that the, uh, the Batesies, I think they called them, came up with were pretty funny. Is that NESCAC? No idea. Literally no idea. Wisconsin? Let's go, let's go Bowdoin Elephants. I'm pretty sure that's a state university. Uh, it went stinked uh, in America. Is this even a college? Mountain lion? Amherst. Bulls. I feel like cow is too domestic. Uh, roosters. Especially the tea. The University of Maine. I know that that one stands for Hamilton. The mascot? Yeah. Alexander Hamilton. Those are the Bates Bobcats. There we go. Bates Bobcats! The Bobcats. Bates. <laughs> Bates, let's go. I hope we win. <laughs> Bates Bobcats, of course. Oh, Bates. Bobcat. I would be a terrible person not knowing that. Bates College Bobcat. Oh, that's us. What are we doing? Bobcats. <laughs> it starts with T. Maine. Maine. <laughs> wow. I hope I hope the I hope the Bates college football staff realizes that they're playing Wisconsin tonight. Um, that could be a tough one. And we and in a more serious note, we hope that everybody on the northeastern seaboard, whatever is going on with this Hurricane Lee yeah. or whatever, is no big deal. I know we have friends in Newport and all across you know, Dartmouth across the, the coast of Massachusetts and New England. Hopefully it's you know, something to do about nothing. But there were actually a couple of games, including Bates versus Wisconsin, a.k.a. Wesleyan from Connecticut, Middletown, um, that got moved to tonight. Originally, there was only going to be uh, just the, the Westfield State Westcon game as the only Friday night game along with your alma mater union hosting Springfield. But we got a couple more games now uh, thanks to some New England schools that are like, you know what, we're not going to risk it. We'll just move our game up at night. WPI, RPI, instead of being uh, Saturday at 5 p.m. is now tomorrow night. I think you were going to maybe try to shoot over to that game, um, but you can't be two places at once now. So we'll get into where Frank's headed in a little bit, but nice job by the Bates Bobcats um, Sports Information Department. That was really clever, and good luck against Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about a lot of games coming up here. This is week three coming up, our preview show of season 16 of In the Huddle. Thank God. <laughs>
So you'll see a note here saying more conference play begins. Not necessarily the case in all regions. Uh, region 1 uh, definitely uh, getting a little bit of start with the MassCAC, it looks like, uh, with uh, mm -hmm. UMass Dartmouth yep. and Framingham. Uh, but uh, still a lot of uh, non-conference games going on for one more week here before uh, some of these conferences do start in earnest in that respect. JB, take us through Region 1. Yeah, well, like I said before, we have a couple of uh, Friday night games, uh, including the, the RPI-WPI Transit Trophy game. If you're not familiar with the Transit Trophy, I think you can check it out on both RPI and WPI's websites. It's, it's kind of like a small mic microscope looking thing i don't know it's it's pretty cool heavy trophy though i think frank's even hoisted it up um he's attended a few of those Try games to. over the years yeah <laughs> saturday though we have a nice slate starting off with rochester going to salve regina hopefully that won't be in a torrential downpour we'll have to wait and see how that goes Dartmouth and Framingham kicks off the MASCAC season. That's always a great rivalry game. Framingham looked a little shaky on Thursday night, but they've had a couple extra days to prepare for this. The Corsairs struggled a little bit with Curry, uh, which was kind of surprising last weekend. So uh, that's a big game for who's going to win the MASCAC, so keep an eye on that. Endicott travels uh, um, to play SUNY Maritime, who now in the new Mac, so that's another cross-conference uh, thing. Um, Stevenson versus FDU Florham is a, is a MAC game. We've got Nichols Coast Guard, Norwich Castleton, sort of the battle of the uh, northern New England there. Uh, Utica's taken on Lyco. Our, our friend Big Tony has got uh, Moose Hogan previewing that one. If you haven't seen it on Twitter, that's pretty, pretty good stuff week in and week out. Um, definitely one of our, our favorite D3 football parents who's out there. St. Lawrence is traveling to... Um, Western New England, and then we got Tufts versus Trinity. And um, I did mention probably should be on the you know Frank type it in the on the Friday. We should we should throw uh, Bates versus Wisconsin or Wesleyan at Bates. Actually, that's a 7 p.m. <laughs> uh, kickoff as well. Uh, you know we'll give some some shout outs to the NESCAC throughout the year, but uh, that that game sort of switched um, late yesterday. I didn't have a chance to update the slide. So good luck to both teams there, and that's Region One. Yeah, uh, Wisconsin. Uh, let's go to Region 2. Uh, Springfield versus Union is the game I will be attending uh, tonight. Uh, I, I got permission. Uh, they, they said I would okay. be allowed despite the Garnet Charger kerfuffle uh -oh. that we've been having with them. Uh, so I will keep my mouth shut. I'll probably be in the Springfield sideline for most of this game. Uh, we'll see mm -hmm. if I'm allowed after my pick later on today in this uh, show. Uh, <laughs> we are going to be uh, picking that game, even though it's not one of our quote-unquote games of the week uh, that we pick here uh, because... Uh, we have you picking Grove City, Case Western Reserve, me picking Susquehanna yeah. versus Cortland. More on that game in a moment, which is uh, against two front or between two front runners in the Landmark and the Empire 8. But uh, JB, uh, take us through the rest of uh, Region 2 before we get to our first guest. Yeah, we have a couple of noon kickoffs that stood out to me with Brockport taking on Wilkes. These are both teams that are looking for um, a win after a tough loss in, in Week 2. Muhlenberg is trying to keep it uh, to 3-0 against TCNJ. They're going up to, to Jersey for that one. We already covered uh, Susquehanna and Cortland, and I have a feeling we'll be talking about that game, among uh, other things going on with the Dragons shortly. Catholic versus Morrisville State's an interesting um, new Mac versus Empire, or sorry, Landmark versus Empire 8 um, uh, team. And then you got Westminster versus W&J, a big game in the pack. 
um, FNM is taking on Montclair State um, in, in New Jersey. Hopkins Salisbury, which stands out at two o'clock. That'll be a good one. Gettysburg is going to go to Christopher Newport. Your Sinus versus Rowan is an interesting, you know, sort of almost primetime game. Um, Rowan looked very strong last week. We've seen your Sinus knock off Muhlenberg these last couple of years. The Bears are kind of knocking on the door there, trying to take that next level. Can they get a win in New Jersey? Eight-game winning streak for your sinus, believe it or not. I, I did not realize that until I was uh, prepping for quick hits today. Whoa. They have uh, two games this year, six yeah. games uh, last year, in that 9-2 and two season they had. And so uh, no that's kidding. one of the largest or nice. uh, <laughs> longest winning streaks in Division Three. Uh, it's, I think, number three right now in winning streaks uh, nationally. Wow, that's an impressive run by the Bears. We'll see if the profs can uh, you know, take some air out of those tires or if it keeps rolling. And then my pick of the game for Region 2 is, is Grove City versus Case Western, both undefeated in, in MAC play. This game was a 14-13 to final last year. It was a crazy game. All the scoring was in the first half, and that was like a defensive battle in the second. And Grove City hung on by the, the narrowest of margins, one point. So I'm, I'm curious to see what it's gonna, what's going to happen this season in, in, uh, in, in Cleveland at Case. JB, uh, Region 2 will stop there because uh, we have a guest uh, that we're prepping up right now to come on to the show, and I will uh, let you begin to do the honors here. Yeah, well, this has been a long time coming because we've been calling his name over the airways for the last four or five seasons. He did miss a year with an injury, so and then COVID hit. So long time coming, but uh, senior wide receiver Cole Burgess has been one of the key reasons why uh, the Cortland Dragons offense just keeps rolling right along. They put up a lot of points in week one on the on the DelVal defense. They won in big again in week two, and they have a big game where they're going to need him and the other offensive weapons to kind of you know go toe to toe with uh, with Susquehanna. So welcome, Cole. How you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? Doing great. Well, hey, Cole, uh, you know, I, I previewed this, I think, uh, earlier in the week by saying that uh, you are not the biggest uh, player out there by any stretch of the imagination, but you play like you are. Uh, you've been definitely having a good, uh, let's say, connection with uh, Mr. Boyce uh, in the backfield there. I mean, it looks like you're having fun. I, I've been uh, to some of your games, as you know, uh, and you're, you're having fun out there. Tell me what this season is feeling like already as you guys are out of the box uh, doing you know, what Cortland does, winning games here. How's it going for you? Uh, it's going great. And, yeah, you're right. We're having a lot of fun um, just going out there every Saturday, even every day in practice and just having fun with the guys playing. We're playing football, so, I mean, that doesn't get much better than that. But, uh, yeah, we started off good against uh, a good DelVal team. And that, that win meant a lot because of how we finished last year, and we knew we left a lot of meat on the bone last year. So, Starting off this season with a bang against a good, a good top 25 team, it means a lot. We got another top 25 matchup this week, so uh, hope to do the same thing again. Well, so far you guys have scored over 100 points in only two weeks. Um, last week, though, we saw that it, there were no touchdowns scored in Brockport to, in, in what was kind of a crazy game there. What did you guys sort of take away from the, the game tape? I mean, obviously, you know, very different styles of, of offense and defense that you play compared to the Golden Eagles. But what did you, what sort of things did you see uh, with Susquehanna? Yeah, we saw that uh, the weather conditions weren't great. Obviously, it was a wet day. I know that. But uh, one takeaway that we're taking away from that game is that this team knows how to win when it's hard. Uh, I didn't watch the game, but we got I got the offensive film or their defensive film, 
So I just saw that they were down with two minutes left and uh, Brockport had the ball and they ended up getting the ball back and punting it back over. I forgot how it went, but they won in the hard and ended up winning late in the game against a good Brockport team. Brockport's always good. So uh, it's going to be a four quarter battle and we just got to go and play our brand of football. And and yeah, that's that's what we got to do. Well, I want to go back to something you kind of alluded to about leaving a lot of meat on the bone from last year. Uh, the Randolph-Macon uh, situation last year surprised a lot of people that uh, you guys didn't perform better in that game. And, you know, games like those, uh, and you can ask Trinity this, uh, is a type of situation where you'll end up getting a lot of fifth-year seniors back that have eligibility left because they feel like there's unfinished business. What did happen between that game and now? Uh, in terms of the lessons you guys got from that game, uh, the commitment from guys that wanted to maybe come back and finish some business in the season, kind of take us through what happened from that game forward. Yeah, we got a, a lot of uh, experience on this team between seniors, juniors, and I mean, I mean, I'm a sixth year senior. We got fifth year seniors. We got we got fourth year juniors. So our team is very experienced. But uh, that loss didn't sit well with us. I mean, if you were to tell us after week nine, when we were nine and zero, that we would have lost the next two games. I mean, you guys probably wouldn't have believed it. We didn't believe it, but uh, it ended up happening. So yeah, I think we bought the hype a little too much, and we got to come out here this season. We can't take any week for granted. We got to play our brand of football, and if we do that, then I think the sky's the limit for this team. We got guys on offense. We got guys on defense. We got special team guys. We got this is the best team I've played on since I've been here, and I'm excited to see how far we can take it. Well, a special shout out to uh, SID extraordinaire Fran Elia because without him, I wouldn't know that not only is this the first time you've ever played against Susquehanna, but they're not completely unfamiliar because you guys have scrimmaged them over the last few years. Have, um, have does that past experience in these in these preseason games scrimmages help you guys, or is it just one of these? Hey, it's just another opponent. We're just going to do what we do. Yeah, I mean scrimmages. We just we don't even have the whole playbook in so. These games, are, when we don't play them, it's it's really just we got to do what we got to do. It's uh, another opponent. It's about us. It's always about us. We got to play the way we play. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited. FRA play doesn't uh, start too far away uh, from now. And uh, you guys have a bullseye on your back. There's no doubt uh, that you become kind of the uh, league standard of sorts uh, and, and the guys that everybody wants to beat. Uh, obviously, you've got a big game this week, and I'm not looking, asking you to look ahead per se. But, I mean, do you feel like you guys are the favorites to a certain degree? Do you feel like there's going to be this target on your back when you get it into every Empire 8 game? Yeah, I mean, everybody wants to play the Dragons until it's time to play the Dragons. That happened last year in the Empire 8, and uh, we're hoping to do the same thing again. I, I expect us to come out on top again. Tell us a little bit about the the Dragon Game Day experience. I mean, I think you guys are, you know, obviously I've I've been been in upstate New York. I've been by your stadium. It's one of the nicer ones that I've seen anyway. I know Frank's been to a lot more than I have, but um, for the for the fans either from Susquehanna or anywhere that are coming to a game in Cortland, what is that experience like? Yeah, I mean, I'm blessed. We're blessed to play in the in the stadium we got. We got a really good complex. Uh, fans are going to come in to. Uh, Honestly, we got, a, we got a stadium better than some D1 stadiums, so uh, there's that. We just got new turf. We got a Jumbotron now, so when I score a touchdown, you're going to see my pretty face on the Jumbotron. Um, they're going to see a lot of big plays. And, yeah, the, we, we get a good crowd, too. We, uh, week one, we had, uh, I forget, homecoming, not homecoming, uh, Hall of Fame weekend where we inducted all of our past Hall of Fame members in. That was a great crowd. Mm -hmm. I think we had 4,000 there. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. 
All right, I got a, I've got a question for both of you guys now because when I when I was reading up on your background, Cole, I saw that you were from a town which, from the state that I grew up in, is referred to as Greenwich, but apparently in New York it's called something else. Frank, Cole, tell me what's going on with Greenwich here. Uh, Greenwich, yes, yeah, it's, it's a nice little small town. I graduated with about sixty kids. Um, we got more cows than people in that town, but uh, I love it. It's a great town. It made me who I am. So, I mean, we actually just got new turf, too. We got new turf, so still it's almost done. But, yeah. Is it green turf in Greenwich, hopefully? It's green turf, yeah. Black end zones, green lettering. Yeah, it looks good. I wish I got to play on it. No no red no red turf at Cortland yet, though, huh? No, no. <laughs> Maybe not. Yeah, the, the Mooresville experience I'm going to I get tomorrow, I believe, uh, when the, they're hosting Catholic to see uh, the black turf and how that exactly feels uh, for everybody involved with their sun beating down on it. But uh, nonetheless, Cole, uh, the, the, James alluded to something I wanted to ask you, though. Uh, you're a quote-unquote 60-year senior because of the injuries and everything else. What's next for you? I mean, you've stayed dedicated to football for these years. Is there something football-based coming up for you next? I mean, you're a New York boy here through and through. Uh, you've, you've, you know, stayed somewhat local uh, down in Cortland a couple hours away. What is next for you after this season? Um, well, I'm taking it day by day right now. I know I got to just ball out right now. But, yeah, I've always said I want to play football at the next level since I've been a kid. So uh, that's that's the goal. Um, we've been having scouts come and – see me and a few other players that practice throughout the, the week, throughout the training camp. So um, the next level is definitely potential. But right now I just got to focus on playing, playing the best brand of football I can play and taking this team as far as we can go. You're a great player. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I've seen it firsthand. And so I'm sure those scouts are seeing the same things I'm seeing, which is speed and skill out there, uh, to say the least. And you obviously take good care of yourself. So... Uh, you know, let the sky be the limit and see where you can go with it. I, I wish you luck, as does JB, on that journey and keep us posted on it as it develops. Love to see uh, where things go for you, ultimately, be it, uh, you know, in a uh, traditional pro setting or something else along the way. So let us know. Uh, Cole, you know what uh, comes up next here on the show, I think, uh, which is uh, we give you a chance for any shout outs to family, friends, teammates, etc. that might be watching the show. Cole Burgess, the stage is yours for shout outs. Right, uh, I'll start off. Shout out my mom and dad. I know they're probably watching right now. Um, hey mom, and shout out my roommates. They're sleeping right now. Rashad Tucker, uh, the shiftiest player in the country, and Jay Alfano St. John, the best running back in the country. And yeah, shout out my team, and let's let's go ball out this weekend. Tell me something. How long did it take you to uh, realize that his last name was actually Alfano St. John, the way it's spelled out? Because I tripped on that for about eight different weeks uh, that I've covered you guys and finally got it right. I mean, he's a great player, no doubt, but the name, oh my goodness, I can't ever get it right until somebody finally said it should have had spaces probably in between a Frank. You would think, right? Yeah. You would think it would seriously. have spaces, but Jaden Alfano St. John, I mean, what, what a name, right? <laughs> <It's my running laughs> that, is, that is a name. Oh, yeah. No, he yes. is great. Uh, t tell, tell us a good uh, Jaden Alfano St. John story, though. I, I have a funny feeling that you got one or two. I, I, I know you can be a little bit of a character from things I've heard oh, out man. there. Uh, only something that can be said on uh, the air that won't get us in trouble, or you in trouble for that matter. Go for right. it. I don't even know what to start. I guess, um, so I'll do a quick story. There's a lot, but I'll, I'll do the quick harmless story. Uh, we moved into our apartment in, during camp, 
and we have we have a balcony right and uh the people that lived before us they just kept the the table and the chairs on the balcony and this guy decides to just i forgot what we were even doing out there but he just starts throwing the chairs off the table and then he throws the table off the table no he throws the chairs off the balcony and then he throws the table off the balcony and i'm just sitting there like yo why did you do that like we just had a perfectly good patio set <laughs> Oh my goodness! <laughs> maybe he it was just redecorating. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he realized you guys weren't playing Wisconsin like Bates's uh, this weekend or something. Maybe that was yeah. what was going on there. Yeah, he got a little angry about it. Well, uh, Jade yeah. is going to play with intensity against Susquehanna. You're going to play with intensity against Susquehanna. Don't throw the patio furniture off the balcony though uh, after the game, okay? And best of luck to you guys. Uh, we're not picking, uh, you know, in terms of uh, favorites here. We love both teams, but. We do want to see a great game between two great teams. Good luck to you guys. Awesome. Thank you guys for having me on. Thank you, sir. Cole Burgess, wide receiver at SUNY yeah. Portland. Yeah, I do I uh, love his uh, whole, you know, watch my pretty face on the uh, Jumbotron uh, idea there. Uh, he's he's a character, right? Yeah, well, hey, if you got the looks, you might as well use them uh, the way you got them, right, cool. in that respect? Yeah. Well, sir, I, I'm going to give you uh, – go ahead. Well, I was just going to give a quick shout-out to um, myteamstream.net. Uh, if, if there are any people up in upstate New York that like to follow multiple Empire 8, Liberty League, maybe Alfred State, some of those games, they actually do sort of like our whip-around show, um, but every weekend focused on upstate New York games. They'll be probably covering this one. I don't know. Maybe I'll give them a call on Saturday to check in. Um, you know, I, I I like promoting other folks out there doing D3 stuff, so I wanted to give them a shout-out. So if you're an upstate New York fan and you want to sort of look at a lot of different games simultaneously, this might be a good avenue to check out. I guarantee you they'll be um, giving some scores from this Cortland-Susquehanna game. It's one of the biggest games in the nation this weekend. Absolutely. Uh, and... It's an interesting weekend. We'll take a step back here for a second before we go through regions three through six here. But it's an interesting weekend insofar as there's five or six games that are kind of the must-see games, and then everything else is kind of like regions three and regions four, or regions three and four, I should say, kind of are like, hey, I don't know what to really watch there except for these couple key games. Region six has a lot of out-of-division matchups, as uh, we, we see in this banner that I'm about to put back up here right now. Uh, so it's, it's an interesting week, a lot of buys uh, where you wouldn't necessarily expect them. This is kind of the, uh, I think, take a deep breath kind of week for a lot of people. But some games have implications beyond implications, uh, ultimately. Because if, let's say, Mary Harden Baylor beats Whitewater, which is on this slide here, then they throw a little chaos into that whole Pool C discussion one more time. Because can Whitewater make it through a WEAC season unblemished? I don't know. That, it's a tough question, ultimately. So uh, we'll see what happens. And you cannot overlook, as you uh, are not overlooking, Trinity versus Birmingham Southern there. Uh, BSC uh, had a tough go of it last week against Huntingdon, who had a tough go of it the first week against Barry, uh, in the, you know, giving up, what, 67 points in that game. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I, I just I, I don't know what to believe about Birmingham Southern, except for this one fact. They may have been looking ahead to that Trinity game last week because they know the implications. Yeah. 
this is a school that we don't know how long they're going to be around at this point. Let's just be honest. They, they have a new lease yeah, on life. Yeah, true. I, I don't know if that's a permanent lease on life or not. Their head coach saw fit to leave for Austin uh, last year mm-hmm. or after the end of last year. Yep. I, I, I think he was starting to read tea, tea leaves there. Uh, I don't know for sure. We didn't get a chance to talk directly, but uh, I'm sure there's a story somewhere there. So Birmingham Southern here is kind of fighting for pride. Uh, you know, they, they lost their number one running back uh, who transferred uh, also. So this is not fully tooled Birmingham Southern necessarily either. But yeah. they've taken Trinity to the mat twice uh, in the last couple of yes. years and just come up short. It sounds like Trinity's story against UMHB, doesn't it? And they got that monkey off their back. Now is it Birmingham Southern's turn. This is a big game. I, I applaud you for picking it as uh, the game of the week there and looking past uh, Whitewater versus uh, UMHB. Uh, I did not do so on D3Football.com, but I, I kind of was uh, thinking about doing it. Well, I don't know if, if you had a chance to see the, uh, let's see, you're right over my shoulder, the, the, the D, well, other way, James, the D1 reject show with Tucker Horn. Um, they got their T-shirt up in the back there. He had an interview um, with, with Kobe this week, and basically Tucker was saying for the Tigers, this is their first playoff game. And so um, I know Trinity's locked in. They, they know they barely uh, beat the Panthers last last year on that you know, kind of last-second touchdown pass in, um, in San Antonio. So they're taking this game very seriously. Whitewater versus UMHB, you said it in our last show. I think a lot of people are going to be surprised at how close and competitive this game is. I know this Crusaders team has struggled. They're not maybe as strong as we're used to seeing them. But it's their third week of the season. It seems like they've settled in on a quarterback who didn't have a bad game against Trinity uh, last week. So you never know what's going to happen. And then elsewhere in Region 3, there's a lot of looks like um, USA South and ODAC crossover. you got Maryville, Shenandoah, Hamden City, Greensboro, Methodist, Washington, Lee. Oshkosh versus ETBU is an interesting game for me, Frank, because the Titans are got to be a little, uh, you know, a little stung after you know dropping that game to, to Wheaton last week on the road. They go on the road again, um, flying all the way down to Texas to play uh, a Tigers team that came back from what is it, thirty-one to seven to to um, uh, you know win that game uh, on a missed field goal. That was kind of a crazy, crazy thing. So anything can happen down in Texas. Uh, should be exciting. Center Roads, Guilford, Huntington. You kind of wrap up the the um, you know the ODAC USA South slate. So some interesting little interconference stuff going on here in um, in Region Three. But the the two big games: Trinity at Birmingham and then Whitewater at Mary Hearn Baylor. Sorry to prematurely move along on you there, but I uh, want to look, look <laughs> yeah, briefly like, at Region up, Four. <laughs> <laughs> it's the hook. It's the yeah. old hook. No, uh, well, yeah. we look at Region Four, and the uh, real story I think of Region Four is the OAC play against teams that are going to be the, you know, heir apparent to try to beat Mount Union and win the OAC yeah. or get a Pool C bid. Ultimately, you pick JCU and Baldwin Wallace. That's a great pick. I've got Heidelberg versus ONU because I think these two teams are kind of very even out there. And Mm. uh, we'll see how it plays out ultimately. Uh, But then that will set up eventually, you know, a matchup between the the winners of these two games, I think, down the line. Uh, So you've kind of got the four teams that I place into the, I wonder who's going to be kind of a pool C eligible team into this batch here. And... 
so we'll see how this these two games play out, and then we'll see the winner versus winner at a certain point later on, uh, most likely here. Uh, what are your thoughts yeah. on that and other Region 4 games? Yeah, well, you know, what I'm curious to see is how good is, is John Carroll kind of coming off of that bye week? I mean, they, they went toe-to-toe with Whitewater, who we saw, you know, doubled up St. John's last week. You know, is John Carroll that sort of super national caliber of team? I mean, theoretically, they should blow out Baldwin Wallace, but we know that whenever they play for this trophy, which I think is like a rock or something, it's, I think it's like the. I'm not sure exactly what it's what it's referred to as, but you know, you see the picture of it there, and you know, they, they've had some epic battles over the years. So I think Baldwin Wallace is going to level up, and um, you know, John Carroll will have his hands full. But this is a chance for the Blue Streaks to continue to to tell that story that, that you know, hey, we we barely lost to a top five team, and you know, should the season end up for them eight and two or something like that, that they could be in that Pool C conversation. There's going to be very limited opportunities for teams to get those four um, at-large bids this fall. John Carroll has an interesting story if they can you know, keep kind of rolling along here. You'll notice Wabash versus Butler, uh, and this is a good mm. point probably again to uh, stop uh, because we'll have a guest uh, coming up right now, um, and uh, we'll talk about regions five and six after this interview, and then go to predictions for those wondering. A um, number of uh, years ago, specifically five years ago, uh, we had a moment uh, where we had a cold open on our show that we didn't want to do. Uh, and uh, we're trying to look back at 15 years of In the Huddle, which is uh, going to have our anniversary very soon, in the next couple of weeks. But uh, we want to look back at stories and storylines that have kind of paved the way for the show to continue on the way it has over the years. And uh, this was a uh, storyline uh, that, again, uh, we didn't want to really talk about, but unfortunately we had to. And we want to update you on it at this point in some way, shapes, or forms, or another. And uh, here was uh, the first uh, minute 15 or so of that show. JB, uh, instead of our normal intro, uh, as we prepared to uh, record this on Monday night, September 10th, uh, we learned of some upsetting news, uh, to say the least. Uh, our friends out in Wabash, uh, you know, while we are an East Region show, we wanted to uh, talk about something uh, that happened out there. And that was the uh, sudden death of uh, a teammate of the Wabash football family, Evan Hansen, a senior captain, I believe linebacker uh, for them, number 32. Uh, he passed away, I believe, either earlier today or late on uh, Sunday. Uh, this is a shocking bit of news, obviously, uh, to that football family because of the suddenness of his death. And, uh, you know, words can't describe the condolences and the sorrow uh, that we have here uh, that we want to send toward our uh, family out in Wabash. There's 25,000 players uh, in Division Three, give or take, and the, lo the loss of any one of them is a very, very saddening thing because it's youth we're talking about here that we're losing, and this was a youth that is gone way too early. Yep, and uh, it was, uh, as everybody knows at this point, uh, a suicide uh, scenario uh, by Evan. Uh, and the question that was unanswered at the time really was, was it caused by concussions or CTE ultimately, or at least was that a contributing cause 
of his uh, passing uh, or his uh, reasons for passing ultimately. Uh, we wanted to update folks, it's been five years, uh, September 10th, uh, 2023 marks five years or marked five years uh, for his passing. And we've uh, brought on uh, today to uh, talk with us his father, Chuck Hansen, a uh, very brave man for how uh, he and his wife Mary have handled this along the way over the years. And Chuck, I remember being in contact with you five years ago uh, and uh, you were a stand-up guy from minute one about something that was I don't know how I would even begin to continue in a situation like that if it happened to me. I don't have kids, but I, I just I get chills just thinking about the situation. How are you? How is Mary doing? How's your family? Uh, you know, five years later, especially after you had kind of had to celebrate his memory uh, earlier this week uh, or last week, uh, you know, with respect to his passing. Yeah, I'm. I'm. We're doing well. Thanks. Thanks for asking. I assume you can hear me. Okay. Yep. Okay. Great. Um, yeah, it's been five years. Uh, uh, quite a bit's happened in that time. But uh, one thing we've really been doing is is uh, trying to uh, make sense of what happened to Evan and and to help uh, carry on his uh, legacy. And uh, we've, um, for example, created a legacy foundation. Uh, where we raise money for for different charitable things. Um, we have a golf tournament every year. We've had five now. Um, in that time, we've raised over uh, a quarter of a million dollars um, to to provide to different charities. So, um, and 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 we're also um, you know trying trying to um, you know both focus on his his legacy. You know what happened to him? Why why did he die? Of course, is an issue. That's that's important, but also why did people care so much and and about his life and 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 you know remembering the good things about Evan and and how that can help continue to change our lives and 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 the, you know the world at large. So we're 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 focusing on on all those aspects. Well, and yeah, Chuck, and I remember the, from. Okay, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, you just mentioned uh, Wabash and Butler, so yeah, we'll be actually going to that game this weekend. So that's here in in uh, in town. So we still we're you know we and we just did a a suicide walk back at Wabash College last weekend, um, and there was over three hundred. Um, a lot of a lot of them were students there, which for a campus of eight to nine hundred uh, young men is is quite a substantial uh, uh, a number of them participated. Um, and uh, yeah, so we're we're still involved in in you know closely with with Wabash and with uh, the high school where Evan Evan went and obviously played football there as well. <clears throat> yeah, I guess uh, to pivot a little bit um, uh, from what I was originally going to ask, I was thinking, uh, you know, I I imagine that over the years, and I, I kind of know the answer to this, but I think it would be nice for for the audience to get an understanding from your perspective, you know. It would be very easy um, for you and your family to kind of be anti-football after what happened. Um, but in fact, you guys are, are kind of the opposite. You've uh, continued to embrace the sport, um, you know, with obviously you know some safety measures and other things. But uh, tell us a little bit about that journey. And you know, when people you know, may you know either ask or, or, or wondering, like, well, 
you know, why, why do you guys still go to these you know, football games? Isn't, you know, isn't that part of the problem? What, what, what would your response be to that? Well, I mean, we're still part of the community, right? And so if we think there are some changes that, that, that need to be made and, and some, some lessons to be learned and, and um, we're choosing to do that within the community instead of outside the community. And, um, you know, because Evan, Evan played 14 years of football and, and football was a big part of who he was and he really enjoyed it. And um, we're, we're kind of uh, thinking of, and it's, again, this is not just football. This is really all um, sports or other activities that can, that can cause damage to, to the, to the head. So we're not sure. just, you know, uh, picking out football, but um yeah, so so that's how I mean we're choosing to do it, you know, I guess within the community to raise awareness, I guess to not sweep it under the rug as far as obviously he 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 died at his own hand um you know after the second game of the season. Um so we've never been hiding that fact, but we also don't want to um pretend that there wasn't a reason why why this happened and we we think that um you know there's so many positive benefits you know and i appreciate what you guys are doing in the division three level of sports you know there's so many positive things about community and 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 life lessons that are learned playing football um you know so how do we how do we keep that while minimizing um and reducing greatly the the risk that you know um you know, impacts to the head can have, you know, for players both, you know, now and, and later in their lives. Chuck, uh, you and I had a pretty uh, in-depth conversation on Monday on my drive back from New York City to upstate New York. And uh, I was I, most interested at first to learn about what was learned uh, subsequent to his death, because I know you had sent his uh, brain out for tests, essentially, uh, for examination to see if there was anything we could learn that could help other people later on with respect to CTE issues. And uh, you did get some feedback eventually, it took some time from what I understand. Take us through that uh, situation. And you know, the other thing you said to me, and I'll let you elaborate on it, is the time gap between his death and the actual feedback you got may have been a blessing in disguise in terms of helping you become a better advocate for everything that you were advocating at this point and at a much, let's say, more level head about everything because obviously early on there's upset, there's emotion and everything else that goes with it. Mm -hmm. Take us through kind of the, the time frame, what you learned and how you have responded from that point forward. Yeah, so Evan's brain was uh, sent to Boston University. They're kind of um, the, the leader um, in, in this uh, CTE research um basically because of the lot they have so many brains coming in that it just takes a while to process them and it basically is you know slicing and, and staining with with different dyes and looking under a microscope nothing too fancy but it was over a year before they were able to uh determine that evan did have cte stage one is uh the the, the low the, the first level there's up to four uh levels but but evan had stage one CTE. Um, and um, yeah, it did take over a year. It was November of 2019 before we actually um, got the news from Dr. Ann McKee 
who's a, a, another um, pillar kind of in, in this area of research. And it, it probably did, uh, as you said, was a, a blessing in disguise only because we really didn't 100% sure know, although we were, you know, had pretty good suspicions that something was happening. But um, it did allow us to kind of step back. And I guess the first thing to realize is that no one wanted this to happen. There's nobody that wanted this to happen, right? And, you know, including his coaches, his teammates, his friends, teachers, family, right? No one wanted this to happen. So um, to try to just um, start lashing out and blaming people when they were just as upset uh, about this incident as, as we were, um, you know, really didn't. It didn't make sense, you know, after after kind of stepping back and looking at, um, you know, what had happened. So so then I guess our pivot was to, OK, what do we need to learn? And we're still learning that we're kind of just like on the scale of zero to zero, knowing nothing and 100, everything solved. We're at about 20, you know, I mean, maybe then we were at 10 percent. Now we're at 20 percent, 25 percent. I mean, a lot has happened in 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 these five years. But, um, you know, there's a lot we don't know. For example, the, the first thing is you can't, the only way to, to, to definitive, definitively test is after death and to actually take the brain out, do some slices, put it under the microscope. That's the only definitive way to do it. So that's a big obstacle in this whole, um, uh, <laughs> this whole issue is, is, you know, just identifying, uh, you know, the disease in people and and they're getting closer to be able to do it um in the living but it's it's a that's a big hurdle right i mean if you break your leg it's pretty obvious right away my leg's broken and i know what caused it right whereas with cte it's like maybe maybe not it, it, and you don't know until till after death and um you know that, that that's been a uh one of the initial hurdles of that, that needs to be overcome. Yeah, I agree. And I think a lot of that, it seems at least from, from my sort of uh, more of a, a bystander view is, you know, the, there have been some advance to, uh, in technology, some prevention. You know, I, I know our friends at Rochester um, about eight to 10 years ago started measuring um, impact with sensors in the helmet. Um, now, if you ever see pictures of a, of a team in, in preseason practice from the Division three level, even through the pros, they're wearing those extra uh, pads on the, on the top of the helmet, which seems to have really um, made an impact as far as the number of um, concussion, concussion injuries that are reported and what have you. Are, are, you, are, there, are there other things that, you, that you're aware of, Chuck, or that you're advocating as far as you know, things that can help prevent this from, from happening in the future? Yeah, I mean, one thing they've learned is that CTE is driven not so much by concussions, the big hits, but just the repetitive head impacts. Um, and, you know, just the day in, day out, year after year kind of uh, impacts um, are, are really what drives CTE. So, for example, every year you play football, they, they have, they're only, we're kind of picking out football because that's what they have the most data about. But, um, you know, every year you play football, the chance of CTE goes up 30%. Now, it starts out extremely remote, and after three, four, five years, it's still very remote. But when you start getting into 15, 20 years of playing football, if you get into the into college and the NFL and, and so on, and you started when you were 
uh, you know, basically third grade or second grade or whenever, you know, that, that all adds up. So I guess, you know, we're, we're working a lot um, and following a lot what happens with uh, Chris Nowinski. Uh, he's the leader of Concussion Legacy Foundation, um, you know, and, and they publish guidelines. But it's, it really gets down to uh, reducing the number of hits you take over your lifetime and reducing the severity of the hits. So anything that can reduce the number and and size of the impacts, that that all incrementally helps. So whether that's rule changes, you know, we've obviously seen, um, you know, how the kickoff is already a lot different than it used to be, right? So that's rule changes. They're trying to get some of those big hits, you know, and, yeah. um, you know, a lot of unnecessary hits sometimes out of the game. Practice is another big one, right? We know in, in the Ivy League, they, they, they limit the, the number of hits. Um, in the NFL, if you ever go watch NFL practice, there is very little hitting. I've gone to multiple NFL practices. Yeah. I've never seen a single big hit, right? So there, and once the season starts, they hardly do any hitting, right? So that's that's another area that the NFL has kind of taken a lead on. And then then uh, the NFL is also promoting, you know, uh, NFL flag football for, you know, so the youngest ones, third grade, fourth grade, you know, elementary school, you know, um, the Concussion Legacy Foundation is really recommending, let's spend more time um, at, at that level with, with flag football for the young ones, um, and, and, and try to take out those years of, of, um, hits to the head so that we can, you know, um, in some sense, you know, we want to allow it at high school, college and, and upper levels to, um, you know, still, uh, you, you know, um, be able to play the game. You, you can't, if you're playing in, 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 in college or the NFL, you can't undo second grade football hits they they're what they're the research is showing it's just kind of cumulative over your lifetime as much as anything so th that's kind of what uh you know as far as football the some of the changes we're thinking of it's the rules of the game try to um adjust them as reasonably possible practice that's where a bunch of concussions and hits happen um you can't totally remove those but what can you do to to um uh, help reduce that. And then flag football, promoting that at the youngest ages um, is, is another big thing where we're, you know, uh, becoming advocates of. Yep. And uh, flag football is something uh, with the flag. I'm actually a referee uh, with uh, regionally and nationally. And uh, I can tell you that the NFL is serious about putting money into that because I think they're reading the tea leaves as well saying, uh, you know, this is the future of youth football at the very least, and it's been around for a while, but the uh, redoubling they've been doing has been noticeable uh, in the money that they've put into it. Chuck, last question for you, um, and in terms of at least uh, the nuts and bolts of things here, uh, I know that uh, you can't really do much to turn back the effects of CTE per se, uh, but uh, you can do things to get people the help they need when they might be in what Evan's shoes were basically five years ago plus, where he feels uh, things slipping away or uh, helplessness, et cetera. And I know there is help out there, and I want you to, uh, if you can, let people know that might be watching, that might be in the same shoes as Evan was, what they can do to save their lives, save their loved ones from the 
what you had to go through ultimately five years ago. Uh, the floor is yours to kind of give folks the information they need here. Yeah, that's that's great. Great point, Frank. Um, there, there is the Concussion Legacy has a helpline. Uh, so if you go to concussionfoundation.org, they have a an helpline, an eight hundred number to call, or you know, a way to email. They basically have a network across the country that with doctors and 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 um, you know other other people that that are familiar with this type of um, uh, injury um, to, to you know to try to pair up you know people that think they may have some type of of brain injury um, with whether it's concussions or, or you know possible CTE or something else. They have a network of doctors that that they can help arrange. Uh, uh, um, you know, local help because not every not every doctor is 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 up to date with 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 kind of the latest treatment and and that's a an important thing is that um, just because you think you have CT doesn't mean you have CT. Not every CT, not everyone gets it. Probably most people don't get it, right? So it's we're not trying to say, well, you played football, you're going to get CTE. It's not it's not like that. But you know. Um, but it, it, the, the situation Evan was in is that, he, you know, he thought he had CTE. It turned out that he did. But, but and at the time, he didn't have any resources to, to try to help him. And so he basically, you know, I think lost hope or thought he was just going to, to uh, be a burden on others. And that's the really the reason that, that, that what happened happened. Um, we now know there's a lot of people that have suspected CTE that are living lives, they're, they're managing it. And it's, this is not a death sentence. You know, even if you think you have it, even if you actually do have it, doesn't mean it's a death sentence. Um, there, there's a lot of people that, that are living with, with symptoms like this and, and there's ways to manage it. And that's another important thing to give people hope. Um, you know, obviously we have to understand it. Let's try to do what we can do to prevent, you know, uh, prevent it uh best we can but also then to get people that that have had you know a lot of uh, repetitive head impacts and are concerned well there are resources and there is hope and you know please reach out and don't think that um you, you know that that, that 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 there's nothing that can be done and that's probably the you know something that we really want to take away uh from evan's situation is that he basically thought there there was, you know, it, there was no hope, right? And that there's nothing worse in in the in in life to think that, that there is no hope, right? And that's whether what the underlying cause is. That's obviously uh, this is suicide prevention week. There's can be multiple causes why people think that. You know, we have this nine eight eight number. If it's to the point of actually thinking about suicide, please call nine eight eight. Reach out to a friend. You know. You, what you're feeling is, is, is temporary. Um, and one of my favorite things about suicide prevention is, is, is to, to, to remind people, don't, don't fix temporary problems. Don't fix manageable problems with a permanent solution, right? So yes, there are some temporary issues you're going through. There is help. It's temporary. You, you can get help. Don't, um, try to fix that with it, with a permanent solution by it by ending your own life. That's not the solution. 
You and Mary uh, are heroes to me in the way that you've handled this from day one on this. I, I think I've suggested that in the open, but if not, I, I'm going to say it flat out right now. Uh, and the fact that you are trying to turn this into something where you're saving others uh, in the process of it is special. Uh, I, there's nothing we can do to bring back Evan, which kills us all to have to think that way. Uh, and it's unfortunate that you know we have to have that mindset. But the fact that you're working to make sure that other parents out there don't have to go through what you did, and that other players understand that life continues even if they are uh, stricken with CTE is so important. That's why we've had Tony Strickland on uh, in the past uh, to talk to us about uh, concussion uh, you know, protocols and safety, et cetera. Uh, to have you on at this point to kind of uh, take us a step further is important. But uh, you know, Chuck, uh, I'll give you the floor for any last uh, comments you wanna give uh, on behalf of you and Mary uh, at this point. But uh, thank you for everything you're doing, uh, despite the darkness that you had to walk through in this whole process. Uh, it's a special thing that what you guys are doing. There's no doubt about that. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I mean, it's it's kind of we just we we just think what we're doing with what needs to be done, and you know, I appreciate the words. I think I think I don't know. I think a lot of people would just do what we're doing. It's just it just seems like we're. We're trying to make the best of the situation that 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 happened, and and appreciate you offering to um, to have me on and, and to talk about a very difficult topic. It's not it's difficult for us, but it's obviously difficult for anyone that loves football, um, or, you know, or other other sports, yeah. you know, whether it's soccer or rugby or, or other sports uh, that also have mm -hmm. similar issues at times. Um, it's yeah. it's not. It's not pleasant to talk about, but it, pretending it's not an issue is not <laughs> the answer either, right? So, no. Well, Chuck, thanks for joining us again, and uh, send our best to Mary uh, as well, and to your entire family uh, out there, and uh, enjoy the game uh, this weekend to the degree possible. Yep. Wabash yeah. versus Butler will be a good one, to, to say the least. It Thank you, sir. Be interesting. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Again, just uh, in, in memory of Evan, uh, a little bit of a moment of silence here from us uh, to remember Evan Hansen, who uh, left us way too soon back in 2018. <sighs> Never easy. Well, we don't walk away from the hard stuff, I guess. That's part of, you know, we've been talking about concussions and injuries and, and the, the, the one, I guess, the one downside of having done this now for 15 years is that just because of life, I mean, we've, we've seen um, lots of friends, you know, move on to, you know, Tevin, whatever you want to <laughs> Yeah, it's just uh, it's it's unfortunate, uh, but that's that's part of life. And and as a parent, my heart goes out to Chuck and Mary. I can't even imagine, um, but they clearly are on a mission to um, to help, and that I think is is really uh, is really awesome. And um, well, I hope I never I'm never in their situation. I'd like to think that if I ever was, that I would try to pick myself up off the you know the floor and and do the same thing. So. 
credit to them, and I'm sure their their community really appreciates them. And um, you know, having a you know having a wife that's working in the mental health um, space, you know, uh, just the, the first step is kind of asking for help and and knowing that there are people out there that care about you that want you to be okay and. Um, and that, like, I love that I'm going to, I'll never forget this, you know, don't, don't solve a temporary problem with a permanent solution. I love that saying, I'm going to keep, keep that one going. So, um, hope, hopefully everyone else on, on, uh, who's, who's ever watching either currently or after the fact, we'll, we'll think of that too. You know, in 15 years, uh, mental health has played a uh, issue, a role uh, through our show. Uh, you know, not every story ends sad uh, necessarily. I think Tevin Jones, True. who went through some issues uh, with the OMHB uh, a number of years ago, and uh, we had him on D3 Football and, uh, you know, here as kind of a shared interview scenario. And he, he made it through after some real problems, some uh, th problems with the law in the process. He's happily leading his life right now. Loves seeing his positive posts on Facebook, etc. cetera. Uh, it, it, so we do have happy endings here, uh, per se. Uh, this isn't a happy ending, but it's an ending with a, a resolution that you have to be really, really impressed with in terms of how the family's dealing with it. And again, thank Chuck and Mary, especially Chuck for coming on, but Chuck and Mary for all their feedback and uh, messages of support. Uh, from day one of this whole situation and uh, I guess in Chuck's uh, you know mentality of football not being the problem per se uh, let's continue with our uh, previews here to the degree we're gonna be able to continue here ourselves uh, I'm gonna give you region five yeah, to right. start on here which again is a region that doesn't have many games to key in on but there are a couple that uh, we have yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think um, the, the game that, that stood out mostly to me was this Co versus Central game. Both of them started off 2-0. and It's a big game in the ARC, um, which is one of the conferences that's going to get a, a Pool A bid to the, you know, to the tournament. So definitely worth uh, keeping tabs on that one. Um, Augustana is an interesting team, Frank. They're playing in the late game. Uh, you know, I was reading up on them recently. They have, I think... 10 fifth-year seniors on the team. They brought back 10 starters on both the offense and defense from last year's 5-5 five and five campaign. Maybe they're a team in the CCIW that could shake things up. Um, and I was texting a little bit with the, uh, the Culver's Isthmus Bowl last night. They were asking me who I thought might be um, a potential participant in their game. And and I was like, hey, you know, maybe keep an eye on, the, on, these, on these Vikings. Like, they, they, they're bringing back a lot. We'll see. I mean, I know Wash U's been kind of the rep the last couple of years. And, and um, you know, they've been a strong team. But, yeah, you never know. Um, we'll have to wait and see. I've got Wheaton, uh, Illinois Wesleyan keyed in here because I want to see if Wheaton can, uh, continues their momentum here. Uh, IWU can pr uh, provide problems sometimes uh, out there. And so I, I do want to see how this one turns out. That was a big win for Wheaton last week. Let's not underestimate what that yeah. uh, win meant against Oshkosh. But ultimately, I, I just want to see where they go now on the next step as they get closer and closer to the Little Brass Bell game in a couple of weeks after this week is done. 
Yeah, one other one thing I'll add to Aurora versus Benedictine is, is a pretty um, good rivalry for these two um, Midwestern sort of Chicago area schools. So that might be a two o'clock game you want to check in on to see what's going on. The, those have usually been some pretty good matchups. I'll take us uh, partway through Region 6 here. And again, a lot of uh, teams playing, uh, let's say, interdivisional games, which uh, makes it a little tough on the committee as to how to handle those things, although they're not supposed to be part of the primary criteria per se. They still often, uh, you know, influence discussions and, you know, become possibly the, you know, the, the last piece uh, type situation. So um, with respect to that, uh, you know, it's. I, I would say it's one of those uh, things where you will watch those games, you get some information. If they win the games, it may help them slightly. If they lose the games, you can't go too deep into those situations at that point. That, that's what we've gleaned from over the years. Uh, and you can see uh, Bethel at Eau Claire. Uh, we'll see how Bethel bounces back or not. Uh, Lacrosse, uh, Northern Michigan is one I'm curious to see how that plays out. Uh, the West Coast games are actually more interesting to me uh, overall. George Fox, uh, Claremont Mud Scripps, uh, Linfield Redlands, that's a big rivalry game. Whitworth Chapman uh, is kind of the, you know, who's going to be kind of uh, the next up uh, scenario out West as well. Remember, Chapman had the game where they were up 23-0 against Pacific that doesn't exist anymore because of the cancellation they had, and they had a full-scale cancellation for some reason. They did it that way versus what other teams did in Week 2. I'm not quite sure why that is, uh, why we have that separation occurring in that situation. But, I, you know, Pacific Pomona-Pitzer, uh, I remember uh, this game has been a decent one over the years as well, and so we'll keep an eye on all of that for sure. JB, uh, let's uh, begin here to get our uh, predictions going here. And that'll take a little mm -hmm. bit of work for me to do so. And there they are. I believe that's what our uh, corrected numbers are. Is that not uh, accurate? Uh, 22 and 2 versus 17 and 7? I think so. Yeah. That's a five, you have a five game lead. So that, that either way. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe 22 and 4 and 17 and 9, actually. I think I'm a little bit off on that now I'm looking at that. I think I forgot yeah, to add a couple I think losses. That's, yeah, I think that's right. We forgot a couple of, couple of yeah, for both of us. So, yeah, I was like, only seven. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, no. So it's 22 and 4, 17 and 9. We won't fix it right now. But, um, oh, one other thing before we do this, uh, I, I, I do want to uh, pay a little homage to. Our friend Quinn Peterson, or Quinn, uh, Quinn you, know, you know, it's fitting I did this <laughs> that way. Quinn Patterson uh, out yeah. in uh, Trinity. So uh, as, uh, as the story goes in this whole situation, uh, Frank uh, had a little bit of a mishap with typing out Ethan Boyer's name. And we've, we've kind of alluded to it, you know, from the Saturday game. And um, it was the first touchdown from Tucker Horn for Trinity. And uh, Frank, of course, kind of screwed things up and typed in uh, and let Siri take over to Ethan Boyle. And Ethan Boyer, in good humor, said, boy, i got to meet that Ethan Boyle guy because he's, he's a really good player. Oh, man. And yeah, uh, Quinn yeah, Patterson he sent us uh, yesterday this photo of a helmet with a label of Boyle on it. Uh, saying that uh, they had a new guy practice this week. Really worked his tail off trying to make a name for himself. Well done, Quinn. Well done, Ethan. Uh, message uh, is has been delivered that I screwed up. I own the uh, screw up 110%. And now it's time for me to screw up with predictions. 
possibly including your game. We'll find out. And uh, JB, uh, when we name the first game, we'll try to start the clock alongside it. And it's the Transit Trophy game moved to Friday night. I guess I start this one uh, technically uh, today. So here we go as I get this clock started. And I'm going to say that it's going to be a tight game. I think RPI wins the game. But I think at WPI, with that energy they had from last week's game, they're 2-0 as well right now. It's going to be a close uh, affair. I think RPI wins it 34-31. Yeah, I mean, you know, RPI just has that huge roster. Um, and traditionally, Liberty League has just been, you know, a little bit notch above some of these New England conferences. So I'll go with the Troy Engineers also. Um, I think it'll be a close one early, but um, RPI might pull away late, let's say, 34-19. Next up, Mass Dartmouth at Framingham State in MassCAC action. You start. Yeah, this was interesting because Framingham looked pretty ordinary against Salve, but maybe that's because their defense is so strong and Mass Dartmouth sort of kind of goofed around a little bit in, in their last week's game. So hopefully um, the Corsairs have their you know, sights set on this one because the Rams are going to bring it to them. But I do like the Corsairs to, to hang on. Um, Avila Santos is one of the most talented QBs in the Northeast, if not the most. Um, so I will give it to them. Higher scoring game, I'd say like 35 to 28. Yeah, you're keying in on the key difference here. Right now, Framingham State's trying to find a quarterback that's going to be able to be their primary quarterback in the backfield. They tried, I think, three different players on uh, that game uh, or in that game versus Salve Regina. Dante Avila Santos is a strong quarterback. He's got to stay focused in this game. I think maybe he was looking ahead last week is what I'm getting the feeling of, which uh, you never can do in maybe, Division yeah. Three football. Nope. Mass Dartmouth wins the game 34-17. Springfield at Union. I'll be there. And I'm going to pick the uh, – <laughs> boy, I, you know what? Instinctively, I still was going to say I'm going to pick the Dutchman. I'm still going to pick the Dutchman, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Garnet charging their way through the game. Uh, I just think that they've controlled Springfield over the years enough to know how to beat them in the uh, triple option offense. So I'm going to pick Union in a narrow win, 27-20. Yeah, I mean, I think they just, you know, with guys like Paquette or and others, they just have a lot of talent. Piketty. You know, they've got that receive. Picatti, is that how you say that? Okay. Yeah. Uh, you got me there. You, you know better than me. Um, you know, Springfield will bring it to them just like they they always do to the upstate New York teams. But I think uh, Union will hang on with a little home cooking, 27-24. Grove City at Case Western. This is a big game in the pack for sure. Case Western uh, struggled a little bit, though, against Teal. Uh, I think it was, what, 14-0 in uh, the final score there, I believe it was, mm. against Teal. And so, yeah. you know, what do you think here? You go first. Well, um, I'm sure Grove City's happy that Drew Saxon isn't around anymore. He was a real tough quarterback to, um, to plan against. But, yeah, it seems like the Wolverines are sort of ratcheting up. They're maybe ready to take that next step, go to that next level. They're going to the challenge for the PAC championship this year. So I think it won't be as close as last year's game. But still, you know, within a touchdown or so, I'll take the, uh, the Grove City Wolverines to win its 24-13. I don't know. I'm picking Case here. I, at home, I think uh, Case has a good chance. I, I think they were getting uh, that same looking ahead too far scenario in their uh, first game of the season. 
And I, I, I think mm. the Spartans can do this uh, and win it at home. I'm going to give them a slight edge here. Uh, lower scoring, 21 to 14 in favor of Case. And we'll see. This That's one you can pick up right there. This is one maybe you'll be able to pick up too as it's Whitewater at UMHB. I'm picking UMHB. I, I think that Ooh. the growth I saw last week with Isaac Fay as quarterback uh, told me in looking at the players, they have the size, they have the speed. Uh, it's an experience issue, and the experience, I think, is kind of like where Whitewater was last year heading into this game. And Whitewater was able to win it at home in some unbelievable fashion, of course. I think it's in Belton. UMHB's turn to turn the tables. This is my flyer of the week, as I say on Quick Hits uh, coming up. I'm picking mm. UMHB to win this game 31-27. As I dropped something on the floor here uh, in the meantime, so maybe maybe that's a bad sign. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whoops. Go ahead. Um, yeah, I mean, I, re I remember that game last year, and there was no, no way in hell that the Crusaders should have lost. I mean, th that was a huge mistake. I, I mean... The Warhawks were so lucky to win that game, um, but I feel like this year's teams are very different, and so I, I'm going to give a slight edge to this this Warhawks squad that seems to, you know, even with um, Ogden out, their backup QB came in, played really well. I think the um, Crusaders' defense is going to be a tougher um, tougher matchup, but I still think the Warhawks, like they did with John Carroll, can kind of grind it out and win like 30 to 27. Well, you're going to start a tough one also. Trinity at Birmingham Southern. Yeah, I think you're probably right about the looking ahead um, from Huntington for the Panthers. But, the, I mean, 77 yards of offense on that night. I just think Trinity's got way too much talent. And as Tucker Horn said on the D3 Rejects show over my shoulder, this is a playoff game for them. Um, they can't afford to have any more losses. So I'll take Trinity 35-21. to 21. Trinity's got several playoff games when you think about it. Hendricks, Barry, Birmingham, Southern, they're all playoff games when it comes down yeah. to the teams that they need to beat so that the loss column looks the right way just to make it to the playoffs right now. They can afford one loss per se, but not necessarily guarantee themselves the playoffs if they do lose a game. They want to win out the SAA, and they need to do so. Trinity wins this game 34-20. Heidelberg at Ohio Northern. Um, tough one on paper when you kind of look at it, especially on the road for Heidelberg. I'm going to give Scott Donaldson's team the edge here, however. Heidelberg, I think, and the Student Princes are going to have a slight edge in this game. Final 27-21. Yeah, I need to, I don't know as much about the, I think they're the Polar Bears at ONU. Um, yeah. But I did see the, uh, I did see the Student Princes on that first Thursday of week one and they were pretty impressive they they have an explosive offense and so yeah I, I agree with you i think the student princes will will win this one let's say higher scoring 42 to 27. john carroll at baldwin wallace uh, staying in the oac you start well uh, the blue streaks have had a couple weeks to prepare for this one um wallace has sort of looked iffy here and there but it is a rivalry game. I think it'll be closer than people think, but I'll take John Carroll to win it 27-20. Uh, to 20. 
Yeah, I think John Carroll's just too good right now. Uh, and the Whitewater game uh, looks even better after what they did to St. John's the next week uh, in terms of Whitewater. Yeah. Uh, John Carroll, I think, wins 31-17. to 17. Wheaton at Illinois Wesleyan. Uh, and I'm going to say that Wheaton does win the game. But in a close affair, I, I think that on the road, this is going to be a test for them a little bit. Uh, Wheaton wins 24-20. Yeah, I, th- I think this Thunder team is uh, is a little stronger than you might be giving them uh, credit for. I mean, I know Wisleyan has been a, a good rival, but I think with this uh, Thorson a quarterback and and Weeks at running back, they'll they'll put up some points. I, I'd say um, Thunder win going away, forty nine to twenty one. That's not the right game, but that's the right game. Co, it's Central uh, in Region Five, <laughs> and uh, you start this one. Yeah, well, we, we don't have uh, Hawkins at quarterback anymore, so um, I'm, this one I, I, I really just feel I don't really know much about either team at this point, so I'll take a flyer and, and go with the, I guess, the home team, um, 24-21, and, and hope that works. <laughs> I need to yeah, study up I was on the pick Central. Yeah, well, I, I think Central's got this one, uh, and I'm going to say, it's just from experience level right now, uh, 31 to actually make it 30 to 24. Uh, it'll be close. These two always play close, but Central will win this game. Yeah. Going West Coast for the last two, Whitworth and Chapman here. I'm going to pick Chapman in this game. I think that they have a slight edge on Whitworth, especially at home. Under the lights, it'll be a great game to watch for those that want to stay up all night on Saturday night on the East Coast. Uh, if you're out West, go attend this game. It's going to be a very good game between Whitworth and Chapman. Chapman wins the game. Uh, I think I think it will be a close one, lower scoring affair. To be honest, uh, seventeen to ten. Yeah, for some reason that that forty two twenty eight score from last week and the three touchdowns that uh, that receiver had for Whitworth is sticking in my head. So I think that maybe this year's uh, team it might be stronger than we realize. So I'll I'll, I'll go the opposite. I'll take Whitworth and um, and so. We'll see what happens. I think they'll surprise some folks with a win over a good Skyac team, say 35 to 28. Chance to get three games back, I think that means for you, unless we uh, differ Maybe. here for a fourth one. Linfield at Redlands, are you going to go for the upset? Nah, I mean, Linfield is still a, <laughs> a, a top 10 team until proven otherwise. I mean, yeah, they, they only won by two touchdowns in Ohio. But you know they played Redlands a lot over the the last decade plus, so a pretty familiar situation. Um, may not be as lopsided as some prior you know, editions, but I'll take the Wildcats uh, 35-21. I hate to say it this way, but they haven't just played Redlands; they've owned Redlands uh, over the last how many years? <laughs> it's it's just been not even close. Uh, yeah. Linfield wins the game. 40-17. I just I can't see it being like that, uh, despite what happened last week and all that stuff. So that's that. Uh, we're a little bit over here. It's 10-15 uh, a.m. on the East Coast uh, on this live show. So, JB, as always, we, uh, yeah, well, first off, why don't you tell folks how to watch uh, this week's college football action in Division 3 slash 2 slash FCS slash NAIA. Pick your teams uh, that <laughs> some of these teams are facing uh, this week. But you get the point. How, how do you watch this weekend? 
Well, there's there's four great games on tonight at seven o'clock. So take your pick. Um, you can kind of bounce around and 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 see there. I'd I'd probably say that the um, RPI WPI Springfield Union would be my you know top choice. But you know the NESCAC is back and and Wesleyan has an interesting game at Bates. You know, we'll be kind of keeping tabs on that. Otherwise, I mean, you can start off pretty early on Saturday with good games like Rochester versus Salve or UMass, Dartmouth versus Framingham. And then, you know, over time, kind of work your way to the 1 o'clock kickoffs of Susquehanna and Cortland, Catholic, Morrisville, Westminster, Washington, and Jefferson. You can even get to Hopkins, Salisbury at 2. Um, your Sinus Rowan at 6. you got Grove City, Case Western at 7. Out in Region uh, Three, you've got the 12 o'clock kickoff of, of Trinity and Birmingham Southern. That's a that's a playoff game. You probably want to tune into Whitewater and and Mary Hart and Baylor get going at one o'clock. Um, Baldwin Wallace and John Carroll kick off at 1:30. So that's a, that's a nicely placed uh, game in there. And Heidelberg at Ohio Northern, which we mentioned earlier, is a six o'clock kickoff. So something to save for later. Um, all the Region uh, 5 and, and 6 games basically start at 2 p.m. Eastern. Um, so that Co versus Central game we, we picked, um, as well as games like um, you know, Lacrosse versus Northern Michigan, if you want to see a kind of interesting cross-divisional game, uh, D3 versus D2. And then 4 o'clock you start getting into some of the later games, and, and there's even three games at 10. So if you really want to drag it out over a 12-hour period, <laughs> You can. Uh, it's going to be a long day of football on Saturday. I want to thank Cole Burgess for joining us, wide receiver uh, from Cortland, Fran Elliott for helping us uh, set that up, sports information director at Cortland, and Chuck Hansen uh, for uh, joining us as well. Thank all of you for watching us and for all the support and views. Uh, we're going to try to get this thing on on Tuesday, as we always promise. Uh, there will be hopefully no travel issues or tech issues. We're trying to work through those. Uh, a couple unexpected things happened this week. But we're, we're working on it. We're trying to get you the uh, information and the video that you uh, look forward to every week here on In the Huddle. Until uh, next week's main show, watch for us on Twitter at D3FBHuddle, at Frank Rossi. I'll be uh, covering the Morrisville Catholic game at Morrisville tomorrow. And tonight, the Union Springfield game at Union. So we'll see you on Twitter. We'll see you on our show next week on Episode 7. Have a good one, folks.